0: you can have a seat before I pray I wanted to let you parents know if you have your kids with you this morning we're going to be talking about sexual sin and pornography it's not going to be graphic but it will be blunt it will be frank It is the kind of discussions that you need to be having with your kids once they're getting into fourth or fifth grade. Statistically, by the time they're in junior high, it's too late if you've not had that conversation yet. But if you're not ready to have it with them this morning, then while I pray, that would be a good time to slip out with your kids if you don't want them uh, to have that conversation today. If you'll pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you. You are the great I am. You are holy, holy, holy. You are perfect and you are righteous. Father, we confess that we are not. We're sinners. We we don't deserve to be in your presence. We don't deserve to call you Father because we all do things that are hurtful towards you and hurtful to one another on a regular basis. So we are so grateful that you sent your Son to die for us, to rise from the dead, so that we who are sinners could be called your children, so that we could be forgiven and have life everlasting. Thank you, Lord, for your love and for your grace. I pray that as we talk about this hard subject that will make many of us feel guilty and ashamed, I pray that you would flood us with your love and with your grace, that you would remind us of your infinite and unbreakable love. We pray, Lord, that you would convict us. We pray that you would challenge us and we pray that you would help us to grow, to to be open, to be honest about our lives and our struggles and willing to do whatever it takes to grow in purity. So that we might be lights for Jesus Christ in a sad and dying world. We thank you for him, for your son, in his name we pray. Amen. You guys can turn to Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs 7. Now you may be asking why are they talking about sexual sin and pornography this morning. It's not because I like to talk about these subjects. I would like to talk about almost anything else. But we have to talk about sexual sin and particularly we have to talk about pornography. There's two reasons for that. First reason that we have to talk about pornography this morning is because it's a major part of the book of Proverbs. The introduction to Proverbs is chapters 1 through 9, and if you add it up, 25% of those first nine chapters is about sexual sin. It's a major topic in the book. But if you've read Proverbs, you may be asking, well, wait a minute, I, I, I see adultery there, I see prostitution, I don't see anything about pornography, little historical background. There was no pornography back in Solomon's day. It wasn't printing presses or movies or internet. Almost all sexual sin was through a face-to-face encounter, prostitution, adultery, fornication, stuff like that. But things have changed today because mankind in our infinite wisdom and technological progress we have invented things like the printing press and the television and the internet and mobile phones and the result is that now a nearly infinite supply of sexual sin is available to us in the comfort of our own bedrooms everything you could possibly want access to pornographic pictures videos chat streams books like 50 shades of gray they're never more than a click away 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, you can access pornography for free. I grew up in the transitional generation of pornography. When I was in high school, you had to drive to a really seedy bookstore to buy the stuff and no one wanted to do that. But then I came to A&M, moved into Dunhall, 1994, and it had just been wired for high-speed internet. It was brand new, it was unfiltered, it was huge bandwidth. And so what did all those 19-year-old boys do with the gift of the internet? Well, I watched and, and saw, at least as far as I could tell, top three uses for the internet in 1994 by boys was for pornography, video games, and the distribution of illegally pirated software. So, way to go, A and M. That's what you get when you give 19-year-old boys unfiltered, unlimited internet. Today, as we look at this topic of sexual sin in the Book of Proverbs, we have to talk about pornography because this is the big one. This is the thing that, that is eating up our culture. This is how sexual sin happens most of the times these days is through pornography. So that's the first reason we're going to talk about it. Second reason we're going to talk about pornography this morning is a far more ominous reason. We've got to talk about it because it's destroying us. You have got to talk about it because pornography is, is destroying our world. Let me give you some numbers to back that claim up. Here's just a few numbers that might stick out to you. $13 billion that's the revenue per year of the pornographic industry just in the United States. They make $13 billion a year. Uh, for a little context, professional football, which is pretty much a religion, and our country makes $11 billion a year. So more than all of professional football is brought into the pornographic industry. And what do they use that money to make? Well, lots and lots and lots of porn. Actually, that leads us to our second number, 39 minutes. That's how long it takes for a new porn movie to be made in the United States. Every 39 minutes, a new movie's coming out. That's just professionally produced movies, not including amateur stuff, not including stuff made in the rest of the world, movie after movie. Uh, That leads to the the next statistic, 20% of the searches on mobile devices, are for pornography. One out of every five times someone searches for something on their phone, it's for pornography. And if you look at those searches, the words that they're using, the most common word that you will find is the word teen. So that should scare us parents. That's what's being searched for out there. Uh, 20% of the time, all of these mobile searches for pornography. Next number, 11 That's the average age of a boy's first exposure to pornography in our country, in the United States. By 11, they have seen it. If you break down the statistics, a 2009 survey, 51% of boys in our country and 32% of girls in our country have seen pornography before turning 12. So if you have kids who are junior high age, chances are extremely high that they have already seen pornography multiple times. We're seeing it at a younger and younger age. That's why I said by fourth or fifth grade, you need to be having these frank, honest conversations with your kids because they're seeing it. Next set of numbers for you. 79%. That's the percentage of men 18 through 30 in our country who are looking at pornography at least once a month. 63% 63% of 18 to 30-year-old men in our country are looking at pornography several times a month. So it's a regular addiction in their life for 63% of men in this country. 76% of women 18 through 30 in our country use pornography monthly. Now, it used to be that porno- pornography was a, a guys-only club. We thought of it as a male is what guys struggle with, not anymore. Because of the sexualization of our culture and especially our young women, now women struggle with it on equal terms as men. Those numbers are almost identical. Okay, now that's the statistics for the world out there. America at large, but what about in here? What about in the church? Here's some numbers for you for for the church. 65% of Christian men are looking at porn at least once a month. They're consuming it on a monthly basis. 15% of Christian women are using it on a monthly basis. If you add up those numbers, so 65% of 50% of the room, 15% of 50% of the room, add it together, it's exactly 40%. 40% of the people in this room are looking at pornography at least once a month. Two out of every five are falling regularly to pornography and for the other 60%, the three out of five who are not looking at it at least once a month, I can guarantee you that they are still affected by pornography because they know someone who is falling regularly. A spouse, a parent, a child, a friend, every one of us has people in our lives, just based on statistics, that are falling regularly to pornography. And so when we think about this sin, we've got to recognize that pornography affects all of us in this room. You are either falling to it or you know someone who is on a regular basis. It affects all of us and so we have to talk about sexual sin and we have to talk about pornography because we have to know how to battle it in our own lives. We have to know how to help other people battle it and we, know how to, we have to know how to prepare our kids to battle it because they will see it soon if they haven't already. So we got to talk about pornography and prepare ourselves to do battle with it. And as I talk to you about this this morning, you need to know I'm not a saint talking to you. I'm not a perfect man. I'm a man like any other. I do not have a perfect track record. But God has forgiven me for my past failures in this area. And he has trained me and taught me how to have victory in the future. And a lot of that training has come through the book of Proverbs, particularly Proverbs chapter 7. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to, want to open up Proverbs 7 to you and I want to teach you four principles from the book of Proverbs about how to have victory over pornography in your life, how to win this battle against sexual sin. I'm just going to give you four very practical principles that will help you to walk in greater purity. So let's jump right in. The first principle for how to resist sexual sin is you've got to talk about it. You've got to talk about it. Look at chapter 7 starting in verse 1. Solomon says my son keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live and my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom you are my sister and call understanding your intimate friend. That they may keep you from an adulteress. From the foreigner who flatters with her words. Solomon goes right after this with his son. He's not squeamish, he's he's not embarrassed, he talks openly with his son about sexual sin. Why? Because Solomon recognizes his son cannot have victory over a sin he knows nothing about. As parents, if we don't talk to our kids about porn because it makes us uncomfortable, we guarantee they will fall to it. Here's some statistics to you, recent ones, 2010 survey of 14 to 16 year olds, so we're talking like freshmen and sophomores in high school, 81% of them were looking at porn online at home and yet the same group of kids said, 75% of them, their parents had never talked to them about pornography. That is heartbreaking. Think about all of those young impressionable kids who are playing with something incredibly dangerous just because their parents have never warned them about it. That should not be. We should be talking openly and often about pornography with one another and with our kids, but we don't. Why don't we talk about this in the church? Well, because we feel embarrassed about it and we feel ashamed of it, somehow in the church, sexual sin and pornography has taken on this this life as, as a taboo sin. It's okay if you struggle with other things, but it better not be this one. Can't talk to anybody about this sin. It's ironic, we, we don't have a problem confessing pride to one another. Real easy to tell you, hey, I struggle with pride. we Won't talk about porn that way, even though if you look at Jesus, which sins really bugged him? Pride, not sexual sins. That's what he hated most. But we'll talk about pride. We won't talk about porn because it's become this taboo sin, this shameful sin that you can't talk about. And so people try to hide it and it just eats them up inside. So I want to stop and I want to remind you of a few truths about pornography, a few few things that you need to think about when it comes to sexual sin. Truth number one, every sin is equally shameful. Sin is sin in the eyes of God. He has equal opportunity towards all sin. He hates it all. That's how God feels about any sin and every sin. He hates it all equally. So sexual sin, like homosexuality, fornication, adultery, pornography, they are not worse sins than other sins. God hates all sin equally. Okay, so pornography, it's not a shameful sin. It's not a taboo sin that makes you more guilty than other people. It's just a sin like any other. Second truth to remember, most of us, statistically speaking, in this room, are tempted by pornography and have fallen in the past. Just statistics. You look, most people in this room have fallen to pornography at some point in their lives. We need to be honest about that. Can we just look at each other for a second and admit that? Here we are in church. Yes, most of us struggle with this, if statistics are true. And so if you're struggling with it, no, you're not alone. It's okay. We've been there, we can help you. Let's all be in this together. Okay, let's let's confess this and be honest with one another about this because that leads to the third truth. If you want to have victory over this sin, if you want to kill this sin, you must bring it out into the light. Sin that is left in the dark is invincible. Sins that are kept private, you don't talk to anybody about that sin, you will never defeat it. That sin will own you so long as you keep it hidden in the closet so no one knows. The only way to ever have victory over any sin in your life is to be honest about it, to be open about it, to bring it out in the light where other believers can help you to kill it. love the example of some of our missionaries in Italy. Julie and I were visiting with them a number of years ago and they talked about how in Italy, you gotta talk openly about this because that's a culture that's even more sexualized than ours. It's just everywhere. And so believers in that church who were mature, they would just go right up. To younger believers and ask hey this week have you looked at pornography or masturbated if so let's talk about it let's help you to do better they just talk openly about it because they're not going to let that sin become taboo they're not going to let it hide in the dark because they know if we let this sin hide in the dark it will destroy us You've got to talk openly about sin. You've got to be honest with one another. So let me give you some practical advice. How do you talk about this area of sin? How do you open yourself up so that you can have victory over it? Well, if you're struggling in any way, I really should have taken the if off of this because I know everyone struggles with sin. Maybe it's not this one, but all of us struggle. That means all of us need to have accountability. Every single person in this room, young and old, man or woman, needs to have one or two believers of the same gender who are mature that you can confess your sins to who will pray for you. So you're meeting regularly, once a week, once every other week. They're asking you the hard questions that make you feel uncomfortable. They're forcing you to confess what you've struggled with. Then you do the same with them, and then you pray for each other, and you encourage one another, and you help each other to walk in purity. It needs to be one or two believers of the same gender, not a spouse, not a boyfriend or girlfriend. You need to go out and find those people and and open yourself up to them and be honest about those struggles in your life. You don't have to tell everybody, but you need to tell one or two other people. That's something we all need, myself included. I meet every week with two other pastors here in town, every week, and they ask me all the hard questions, including these hard questions, and I plan to meet with either those two guys or two other pastors until the coroner closes my eyelids and pronounces me dead. Then I will no longer need accountability, but until that day, I have to have it, and so do you. Okay, so let's be open and honest with one another through accountability. If, if it's more than just a struggle for you, if you are regularly falling monthly or more often to pornography, then I would encourage you to go further and to check out our Celebrate Recovery ministry. Celebrate Recovery is is a ministry that meets here at Southwood on Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. right in the youth room over there. It's confidential, it's private, but they gather together and and the goal of that ministry is to help people find victory in areas of their life where where they've got bad habits. It, It will help you. Whatever struggle you have, whatever hang up you have, they will help you to walk in purity. So check out Celebrate Recovery, an incredible ministry if you're really falling regularly to porn. Third, parents in the room, what do we need to do? I'm gonna encourage you to talk early and often to your kids about porn. You gotta do it early. Again, remember, average age of first exposure is 11. So you gotta beat that curve, it's a bell curve. You gotta get on the front end of it. and You gotta protect and prepare your kids. That's really the the balance we're looking for as parents. We wanna both protect and prepare. So we do everything we can to protect our kids from seeing porn. Now, let's get real practical, what does that mean? Every mobile device in your home should be locked with a passcode and have parental controls. Doesn't matter how young your kids are. My son could unlock my phone and get on the internet when he was two years old. Two. So no matter how young they are, every device should be locked and have parental controls on. The computer should be in a public part of the home, not back in their bedroom. No cable TV back there where they can access it. Tablets in the middle of the home so that everybody can see. Computers should have software like Covenant Eyes on them that helps protect them from seeing that stuff. So you need to do things to protect your kids from exposure to porn. But you can't protect them forever. They're going to see it much sooner than you would expect at a friend's house or at school on the playground somewhere they're going to see pornography by accident and when that happens you want them to be ready so you prepare them now you begin to talk about to to your kids when they're young when they're in the middle of elementary school you begin to help them understand what is pornography why is it bad for you why will it hurt you if you see it by accident or on purpose what do you do how do you respond to that? How do you fight this temptation? The most important thing you need to get across to your kids is when they see it, you are the safest person to talk to. That's what you want. When they see it, they come to you. So you want them to know you're, you're not going to judge them. You're not going to beat them. You're going to love them. You know they're going to see it. So just get that. I know you're going to see it. So so it's easy. Just come tell me when you happen to see it. Let's talk about it. Let's work on that. I, I had a friend who was paying bills on her computer with her seven-year-old sitting in her lap and an advertisement popped up of a really racy uh, a picture of a woman in a swimsuit. Her, her son is, is seven years old and she just tells him immediately, close your eyes. She closes the image and then she looks at him and says, let's talk about what just happened. Seven years old and she's already using it as a teaching moment because she knows seven is not too young. I gotta be preparing him already for that day when he sees pornography. Okay, so parents, let's talk often and, oh, and be open about pornography with our kids. Let's talk to them about it and prepare them to do well. Okay, so that's the first step. We need to talk about it. Don't let this sin stay in the dark. Second principle that Solomon gives us for battling sexual sin, you've got to avoid the first steps. Avoid the first steps. Look with me again. Uh, chapter 7, let's pick it up in verse 6. Solomon says, For at the window of my house I looked out through my lattice, and I saw among the naive and discerned among the youths a man lacking sense." Passing through the street near her corner, and he takes the way to her house in the twilight and the evening, in the middle of the night, in the darkness. And behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. She is boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. She is now in the streets, now in the squares, and lurks by every corner. So she seizes him and kisses him with a brazen face. She says to him, I was due to offer peace offerings. Today I have paid my vows. Therefore, I have come out to meet you. To seek your presence earnestly, and I've found you. I've spread my couch with coverings, with colored linens of Egypt. I've sprinkled my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with caresses. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him. At the full moon, he will come home. With her many persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. Suddenly, he follows her. I want you to notice the progression in this story. How does this fall happen? Well, first step in the progression is he opened the door to it. He opens the door to temptation by going out alone at night in the evening when no one will see him and walking in the part of town that he knows she's going to be around there. She'll be somewhere over there. Because he puts himself in the path Of temptation. This is not a surprise temptation. He wasn't on his computer and a pornographic image just suddenly popped up out of nowhere. No, he put himself in the path of temptation. This is the person who it is late at night, everyone else is in bed, and he turns on cable TV just to see what's on. This is a person who who searches on Google for the name of an actor and actress just to see what images come up. Just a little bit of curiosity there checks it out, but now you put yourself in the path of temptation. Now that you're in the path of temptation, it moves on to the second step. Temptation sets a trap for you. That's what this woman does. She's quite the hunter, isn't she? Boy, she knows what she's doing. She's out waiting by the corner and she is provocatively dressed. She's dressed as a harlot, it says. She looks the part. She's done up her face and her outfit to to be alluring to him, to let him know that she's ready, that she wants to be with him. And then he walks by and she seizes him. She grabs hold of him. He can't look away. Now he's just totally there. It's a guy clicking through cable stations. All of a sudden, nudity pops up on the screen and he can't look away. Temptation has seized him. And then she opens her mouth and she begins to talk seductively. She talks really like a man to him. She just desperately wants sex. She's brazen. She's rebellious. And, And you'll notice, it's really interesting. She says, I have come out to meet you. No, she's a harlot. She was there to meet anyone who happened by. But now that she's seen him, I, I wanted you. You're the special one. You're the one I desire. She makes him feel good. She, she lifts him up and, and praises him. She says all the right things. She entices him, come check out my couch. Come check out my bed. They're, they're amazing. You're gonna love it. We'll make love all night long. You won't even wanna sleep. It'll be so incredible. And then she seals it at the very end and no one will find out. Because my husband's away. You won't be caught. There will be no bad consequences. So she sets this perfect trap for him. She knows exactly what to do. And once the trap is set, he falls. Suddenly, but not surprisingly. Really, we knew this was coming, right? You knew it from the very beginning. You knew he was headed down this path. The moment that he went out alone at night, he was already set up for failure, it was a lesson we learn from that as we see how this young man fell through this progression. The lesson that's always true is that sexual sin is a slippery slope. Always begins small. Guy doesn't wake up one day and just say, hey, I'm going to go have an affair. No, it doesn't work that way. It starts with small compromises. Little things that seem innocent, harmless, who really cares? But one thing leads to another thing, leads to another thing, and suddenly you're in really deep. Reminds me of a mountain bike trail that I used to ride in Virginia. It was this beautiful trail, and right at the end there was a fork. And if you go left, you can walk down some stairs to the parking lot with your bike. If you go right, you are going to crest over a hill and onto a downhill section that's the steepest I've ever ridden on. Once you get on that downhill, your fate is sealed. You cannot stop. If you hit the brakes, you'll go over the handlebars. You're going to end up at the bottom of that hill one way or the other. The only way to avoid that downhill and ending up at the bottom is to get off at the top. you got to get off at the top of the trail. you got to avoid the first steps. That's how sexual sin works. If you take those first steps towards temptation, then momentum builds Sexual sin becomes more dominant, more driving, and you can't look away, and you're going deeper and deeper. So this is a guy who, he he sees a news article on the internet about an actress who's pretty, and he clicks on it. I'm just going to read about it. There's a little bit of curiosity, maybe just a tinge of lust. But he clicks on this news article, harmless enough, right? But then in the news article, there's some nice pictures of her, and there's one that links to her swimsuit shots. And And I've already seen one swimsuit shot. So he clicks it and now he sees her whole calendar and the last part of that is an advertisement to her Playboy spread. So he clicks that and all of a sudden he's knee deep in pornography. Begins small, ends big. Sexual sin is a slippery slope. The only way to avoid the fall is to get off at the beginning. Okay, so practically what do we do? Well, what we need to do is really whatever it takes to avoid the first steps towards sexual sin. So... If this is an area that you struggle in, you need to think about, how do I avoid the situations that tempt me? If if you struggle with with internet pornography, maybe you need to no longer check your email after 10 p.m. Really, what's so important that you need to see after 10 p.m.? Maybe no turning on cable TV when you're alone at home, if that's an area of struggle for you. No hanging out with your boyfriend or girlfriend alone in their bedroom. Just don't need to do that after 9 p.m. Okay, so you, you set some boundaries to help prevent you from falling into situations where you're going to be tempted. If you're, if you're really struggling though, and you're really falling into pornography regularly, you may need to go further. You may need to cut out your access to that, to that avenue of sexual sin. So maybe that if, if you're falling regularly, you need to get rid of cable TV. There's nothing on cable TV you need to see. So you just cut the subscription to cable TV. Maybe that you need to move your computer out into the common room of the house rather than being back in your bedroom so that other people will see what you're looking at. Maybe that you need to get rid of your iPhone and buy a flip phone. When people ask you, what are you doing? Why did you do that? You just tell them, hey, I'm going retro. Or, or grow a beard out and just be full on hipster and own it. You'll look so cool with that flip phone. Do whatever you have to do to, to cut off your access to this sin. Years ago, when I was in college, the computer became a big temptation to me. I struggled with it. And so I wondered, what am I going to do? I don't want to ever fall again. And so late one night, I took out a screwdriver. I removed my modem because back in the Stone Age, that's what we used to connect to the internet. And I took a hammer to it and, and that was done. Okay, so I could no longer send email from my home, but who cares? That is such a small thing compared to falling to pornography, you gotta do whatever it takes to cut off your access to this sin. Now, it may just be for a little while. You just give yourself space to heal and to grow in resistance to temptation. But you need to do whatever it takes. And let me encourage you who are, uh, who are married to someone who's struggling or you live with someone who is struggling with this sin, will you please be willing to sacrifice your access to entertainment, your access to the internet, whatever it is, to help them to have victory. I promise life will be better for you and for them if you'll help them to win this battle. Okay, so second principle that Solomon gives us, we need to do whatever we have to do to avoid the first steps towards sexual sin. Third principle he gives us for battling sexual sin, we need to remember the consequences. Now, the common view of our culture is that there really are no consequences for pornography. In our culture, especially in the last decade, TV shows, movies, they joke about pornography. It's like a running laugh for them. That's true not just on racy stuff, but even family shows. I was watching some show a few years ago. I think it's called What About Jim? It's about this family man who's married, and it seemed like this really nice show. And then in one episode, the husband and wife start joking about his porn stash in the toolbox. I thought, I I can't even believe, there's no shame, there's no attempt to hide it. You're just laughing at pornography as if it had absolutely no effect on anyone. Now, some of you may hold that view. To you, pornography seems like no big deal. Why do you care about it? You you think it's no big deal because, first of all, no one knows. It's just you alone in your bedroom, so who's going to know about it? And it doesn't seem to hurt anybody. It's not doing anything that's hurtful to someone. Actually, both of, of those statements are lies, No one knows, and it's not hurting anybody. Both of those are lies that Satan is trying to convince you. Let me prove that both of them are wrong. Let's start with the first one. No one knows. Is that true? Well, actually, someone does know, and someone does care very much. Flip back a couple pages to chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 20. For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner, For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord and he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked and he will be held with the cords of his sin. Yeah, maybe that no other human beings know what you looked at, but God knows. God sees everything, even the things you do in the dark. God sees it and he cares about it because he hates pornography, God hates sexual sin, just like he hates all sin. It is not a laughing matter to him. It is not a joke to God. He sees porn, and he hates it, and he will judge it. And what is the penalty for pornography? We turn to the end of the book of Revelation, chapter 21, and it tells us that the the fate or the, the place for the immoral person, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. So what's the penalty of porn? Eternal damnation. Because it's a sin and the penalty of all sin is hell. God does not wink at sin. He does not excuse it. The penalty for any and every sin, including pornography, is hell. That is why it is such incredibly good news for us that God sent his son Jesus to take all of our sins, including looking at porn. Jesus put that on his back. He knew we would do it. He saw it. He put it on his back, and he died in our place, taking all of God's wrath for our sin upon himself. He died in our place, and then he rose from the dead so that we could be forgiven. God offers all of us forgiveness, eternal life, as a completely free gift. All you have to do is say, yes, God, I want that. I believe That Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead so that I could be forgiven. So pornography is not going to send you to hell if you've trusted in Jesus. You are forgiven. You'll spend eternity with God. But that does not change the fact that God himself still sees our sin and hates it. He hates it. It will never be okay to him. So God sees our sin and cares deeply about it. That's the first truth. Second truth, no one's going to or second lie, no one's going to get hurt by this sin actually no. Many people are going to get hurt by pornography. Many, many people, it begins with the sinner. The sinner himself or herself, the person who looks at pornography, look at what it brings to them. Look at chapter 7 starting in verse 22. Suddenly he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool until an arrow pierces through his liver as a bird hastens to the snare so he does not know that it will cost him his life. So this young foolish man, he was apparently caught in this act of adultery and the penalty, legal penalty back in these days was death. They put him to death for that. Now, pornography is probably not gonna cost you your life, But it is going to cost you your freedom. Pornography makes slaves of us. It's easy to prove biblically. It's also actually really easy to prove scientifically. There's a couple studies for you. 2014 study by Max Planck Institute for Human Development out of Germany. They are not a Christian outfit at all say, because of the intense stimulation of the brain's reward system through pornography, this can bring about significant changes in the brain similar to what is seen in drug addictions. Dr. Jeffrey Santanova concurs, modern science allows us to understand that the underlying nature of an addiction to pornography is chemically nearly identical to a heroin addiction. When you look at pornography, you are manipulating the parts of your brain that are manipulated by, by heroin. It's the exact same chemical reaction going on in your head. That's why pornogra- pornography addiction is so prevalent in our society today because it is a drug that will make an addict of you. You will need it more and more, and that's what we see every time. Somebody gives into a little bit of, of soft pornography once in a while, and after a few times, now, now he needs more, and he needs it more often. and He needs harder stuff. That's why there's such a massive industry within pornography for violent porn. Degrading porn, rape porn, they're huge. Why? Because simple nudity will not cut it anymore in a nation full of porn addicts. You gotta keep ramping up your game, making it more and more violent because it's just like heroin. People need it more and more. So if you make room for this sin in your life, you gotta understand it's gonna destroy you. I think a lot of people look at pornography as a pet vice, not really a big deal. Just a, a little pet sin in my life. Now, porn is not a pet sin. It's a lion, and it's gonna eat you. It will destroy you and own you. You cannot manage porn. It's like heroin. Take a little, it's gonna kill you. Okay, so pornography, destroys the sinner. It also destroys the sinner's family. A 2006 survey of the wives of men who were sex addicts found that 70% of those women met most criteria for a clinical diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder. So PTSD, if you want to give your wife PTSD, get addicted to porn because that's what you'll destroy her. Here, here's what they find for kids. According to one study, the, mature, the majority of kids in, in our country were exposed to porn for the first time through their... Dad's. Dad left out a magazine. Dad forgot to clear his internet browser history, and all of a sudden the child has seen pornography and now struggles with it just like he does. So, pornography destroys a sinner and it destroys a sinner's family, and finally, it destroys countless people you will never meet. Countless people you'll never meet because every time we give in to the temptation and look at pornography, we are funding an industry that destroys people. Now, that's probably easy to imagine if, if you're buying porn. If you go to a bookstore and you buy pornography or a video or you're paying membership at a subscription porn site, okay, you are actually giving your money to support them and that seems bad. But we need to understand, same exact thing is happening when you click on a free porn image or free porn site. Because what happens when you go to that free porn site? What are you doing? You're, you're adding one more visitor to their account. You know, that's how they get paid. Advertisers pay them for the number of hits. So every time we visit a free porn site, we're giving them more money. We're giving them more money to make more porn. And as they make more porn, they enslave and destroy more lives. Tanya Burleson, porn star formerly known as Jersey Jackson, said in these porn movies, guys are punching you in the face. You get ripped. Your insides can come out of you. It is never ending. You're viewed as an object, not as a human with a spirit. People do drugs because they can't deal with the way they're being treated. That's how people in this industry are treated. It doesn't matter that you see a smile on their face. That's a lie. They're being destroyed by this. Here's how a, a producer, an owner of one of these companies that produces porn videos, Carlo Scalicisi, owner of 21st Century Video, cute little turn on words, amateurs come across better on screen. Our customers feel that, especially by women, you can see it, They're st- they still feel strong pain. He's saying that his customers want to see women in genuine pain, so he goes out and recruits all the amateurs he can find. And after he uses them for a video, he's done with them and now they're destroyed. I think there's probably a lot of us who'd like to meet that man in a dark alley with a baseball bat and show him what we think about that. But before we vent our violent rage, let's just recognize that every time we've looked at a free porn image or visited a free porn site, we put money in his pocket. That's what we're supporting every time we give into the temptation to look at pornography. Porn destroys people satan wants you to believe that no one knows and no one's going to get hurt and both are lies god knows and he cares and everyone's hurt by pornography okay so what do we do with that truth well i want to encourage you as application to write out a motive journal what this is is a little sheet of paper that you can carry around with you in your purse or your wallet and you're going to write out what it will cost you to give in to porn Write everything that's gonna come. What are the effects? What are the results in my life and the lives of the people that I care about? What are the relational costs, the emotional costs, the physical costs, the financial costs, the spiritual costs? What are the consequences for giving into this sin? You write them out and then you keep it with you. I wrote my current one 15 years ago and that little sheet of paper has been sitting in my wallet every day since. It's there, it's always there. Why? Because I don't wanna ever forget the cost of giving in. So you write out the motives so that you will not fall prey to Satan's lie that this is a pet sin that won't hurt anyone. No, it'll hurt everyone. Okay, so third principle we must force ourselves to remember and face the consequences of this sin. Finally, fourth principle to defeat sexual sin, you need to pursue the good. Pursue the good. As you think about how to resist sexual sin, it's not just all about bad things that you avoid. That's, that's important. That's part of the equation. But it is equally about pursuing good things in your life, filling your life with good things from God so that you don't have time to give in to porn. Because think about the guy in, in Proverbs 7. When did he go wrong? Right at the beginning, when, when he went out at night alone to walk through the city. It's like he's got nowhere better to be. Nothing better to do with his life than to go to walk around seedy parts of town. Because he didn't have something better to do, he left himself open to temptation. You see that same pattern throughout scripture? Another guy who fell to sexual sin is King David. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. What set him up for committing adultery? Well, here it is, tells us actually really plainly, 2 Samuel chapter 11. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, but David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. David didn't go to war. That was his job. That was the mission God had given him and the nation of Israel, and he was passive, He gave that away to other people and he stayed at home and he was bored and he was standing on his roof one day and there was temptation. See, we got to fill our lives with, with good things that charge us up, that energize us, that help us to walk the path of righteousness so that we don't go down the path of temptation. So very practically, some ideas for you. If you want to walk in purity, you need to pursue the good things in your life like your spouse to be dating your spouse regularly go have fun with your spouse go do something you guys enjoy do it regularly even if you have little kids it's worth spending the money on a babysitter to have fun with your spouse that will fill your life with joy and with good things that will help you not give into that which is sinful hang out with your friends man if this young guy in, in Proverbs 7 if he would have just hung out with his friends go to a restaurant have a good evening together then he wouldn't have fallen prey but he was alone And when people are alone, they are incredibly vulnerable. Or maybe you you need to join a Bible study. If you don't have some kind of Bible study in your life where you are regularly diving into God's word and learning about him, that's a real lack in your life. You need that. Maybe you need to find a place to volunteer. God has called you to build his kingdom to serve people and love people either here in the church or out in the community. You need a place where you can be serving and using your spiritual gifts to advance God's glory. Maybe you just need to find a hobby. Now maybe that one seems kind of small and silly. Let me promise you that it is not. Actually a huge reason for lots of people that, that they go look at pornography is to get an escape. Life becomes stressful, frustrating, disappointing, and so they fall into pornography to give them a moment of release and relief. You need relief from the stress of life, so find a good avenue instead of porn. Find some hobby you enjoy and, and pursue it. You don't have to be sweeping the foyer at the church every day. You don't have to work yourself to death. Go find something you like doing and fill your life with that so that you can have a good release valve. When you feel stressed, finally exercise. That's actually proven to give you gr- much more strength to, to fight and resist temptation. And I should add, exercise and get good sleep. That's the other one that can make a big difference. So pursue the good things in your life. Enjoy the life God has given you. Pursue your spouse, pursue your friends, find a hobby, serve the Lord. Fill your life with good stuff so that you don't leave time for bad stuff. Okay, let's sum this up. Let's, let's pull these principles together. We are going to struggle with sexual sin, pretty much all of us in this room at some point. We're going to be tempted by pornography. And when that happens, when we, when we fall to pornography, it is not enough to just say to God, God, I promise I'll never do that again. That's a good start. But a month from now, when you're tired and depressed and lonely and tempted, that promise is not going to be enough. What you need to do to have victory over sexual sin is you need to begin to practice these four principles every day in your life. These need to become a normal part of your life now to give you strength for when temptation sets in. So talk about it. Again, you need accountability. Parents, you need to be talking to your kids. If you're really struggling, you need to be going to celebrate recovery where you can talk to other people who who have habits in their lives. You need to be talking to other people about it and being honest and accountable. Avoid the first steps. You've got to do whatever it takes to keep yourself from taking those first steps because once you take those first steps, it's incredibly hard to stop the fall. You need to remember the consequences. Write out your motive journal so that you will always remember that porn hurts lots of people, really everyone that it touches. Finally, pursue the good things in your life. Look for things that build you up, that edify you, that encourage you, and seek those things, pursue those things, fill your life with those good things. Now finally, I I wanna say, as you guys go through this sermon with me, for some of you, it's created a lot of guilt and and a lot of shame, because this is an area of your life where you've fallen and you look at those list of consequences and you just feel awful about it, you feel so broken about how God feels about that sin. What I wanna make sure that we're all clear about, really most important thing this morning, I want you to know, God loves you today just as much as he would if you would have never committed that sin. Do you understand that? That's the definition of unconditional love. It is not conditioned on your behavior, past, present, or future. So yeah, you did that awful thing. Doesn't change the fact that God loves you infinitely as much right now as if you would have never done it. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you and rise from the dead so that you could be forgiven. And when God says forgiven, I don't know if you've ever studied that word in the Bible. Forgiven, when God says forgiven, it means he doesn't even remember that sin anymore. He chooses to forget it. He never thinks about it again. You remember it every day. God says, man, I forgot that years ago. You are a loved son or daughter of the king of kings and no sin will ever change that god loves you deeply he loves you so much that he wants to give you victory in this area of your life because he knows walking in purity is an infinitely better life than a life full of porn let's pray for god's help heavenly father we praise you and we thank you for your unconditional love we thank you that you love us today just as much as if we would have never committed any of those shameful sins in the past We thank you that your son Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead so that we could be forgiven and live with you for eternity. We are so grateful for that, Lord. I pray that that would be clear to every person in this room. I pray that you would open the eyes of any person here who thinks that they have to clean up their life to be loved by you. Help them to see that your love is not something to earn, it is a gift. For all of us who have received that gift of of your love, of your forgiveness, of eternal life, I pray, Father, that you would be at work in our our lives, that you would convict us and challenge us and encourage us and help us to walk in purity. Lord, I pray that we would come to love you so much and, and so deeply and love the lives that you have given us so much that porn would lose its appeal to us. I pray that it would just turn stale in our mouths because we are so in love with you and with your son i pray father that you would draw us close to you i pray that you would humble us and break us for any person in this room who's struggling with sexual sin and hasn't confessed that to anyone i pray that you would humble them and help them to be honest with with another believer to go deep with another believer who will hold them accountable and pray for them i pray that you would help us and father for those of us who are parents i pray father that we would not live in fear but that we would be willing to talk to our kids at an early age, even if it makes us feel squeamish and uncomfortable, that we'll just laugh that off and believe that what they need is to hear truth from us. And Father, I do pray for the children of our church. I know they're gonna see porn at some point soon if they haven't already. I pray that you would help them to go to their parents when that happens to go and to find help and healing and and peace from their parents. I pray that for us who are parents, that we would be so loving and gracious to our kids that they would always view us as the safest place to go. Please, Lord, watch over our church. Protect us from evil. Help us to be lights in this world, walking for Jesus Christ in purity and grace and in truth. In his name and for his glory we pray. Amen. God bless you guys.